0: still wonderful to be able to come to you, uh, even from our backyard, and i uh, not sure where you're sitting this morning, but you're probably at home as well, so uh, I guess I'm experiencing what you are this morning, uh, but it's still a privilege to be able to come and share. And I must say, I'm sitting at, our, at a table we have in our, our, our backyard, and I'm sitting here with a few things around me, and um, I can't help but feel as I'm, as I'm talking to you that uh, it feels a little bit more like you're sitting here uh, with me or that we're sitting at a, a cafe having, having a coffee, having a heart-to-heart. And I know in part of my role, I have the privilege of sitting with many people over coffee um, and, and having the opportunity to talk about faith. And it, it feels more like that this morning. So wherever you might be watching that uh, watching this, I want you to imagine for a moment that you might be sitting here with me or we might be sitting at a cafe just talking openly and honestly about our faith and uh, allowing God to, to speak into our situations. So firstly, I just wanted to, uh, of course, share that I'm going on long service leave. There was a number of years in the planning and we felt that this was a, yeah, we, we had some space to do that here. And so I will be going away for a number of months. I'll be returning and, and our family will be returning uh, in the middle of January. So I'll be taking fourth term off and Christmas. Um, but now in the midst of that time, Myself, Beck, and the boys will be thinking of you. Uh, I'll be praying for you, of course. Um, I'm looking forward to spending some time with family. We've got a bit of a project here at home. I'm looking forward to getting on some power tools. I enjoy uh, building and gardening, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, But we'll be tuning in every week still. So I look forward to experiencing church from home. Uh, It's something I haven't been able to experience that much and to get a sense of what it's like for the rest of you. Um, also, recognising that this is a difficult time, um, especially the last couple of weeks with many of the mandates coming forward in Victoria and uh, and these further restrictions. Um, I'm not disappearing completely. I'll still be walking with our key leadership team, and we pass to John, as uh, we need to discern some decisions in regards to how we'll meet in the future. Um, and you may have heard the news on, on those restrictions. Uh, we're still to come to a decision, but know this, we're looking to... Uh, do our best to be united we're doing our best to be able to provide opportunities as well to meet safely for for all people uh, no matter what their convictions are in this time so we aim to to move forward with unity and with love and with care for one another and so i'll be still a part of that in the background too Uh, today also as before we open the word we'll we'll also be sharing communion later today so you might have some bread or some juice, some wine at home. You might even like to pause now and and get that ready so that you can participate in that, so that we can all join in that together uh, towards the end of our message today. I'm sitting here, I even have a, a glass of water like I would at a cafe. You might have a cup of tea in hand as well. This morning we're going to continue to look at this series it's actually the last time we'll be focusing on this series we've been focusing on the upside down nature of the good news of Jesus now Jesus invites us in Mark 8:34, he says this if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news you will save it We've unpacked this idea even more as uh, we've focused on some key passages from the Beatitudes found in Matthew 5, and I'd like to read it. Uh, we've even been meeting as a small group each week, and each week we've read through these verses and each time allowing them just to to flow over us just so we can soak in these words. And I'd like to read it again. If you've got your Bibles there, open to Matthew 5 from verse 3. I don't have the joy of slides in the background today, so... Go get your Bibles and open with me. We read this, Jesus speaking. God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. We read these words, this the, these upside down uh, realities of our faith, that we're blessed when we find ourselves at the end of ourselves, when we when we give up, when we we surrender our own strength, and we surrender ourselves completely to God. It's it's in that place when He comes. And he fills us and we experience him in different and in new ways. We discover that in order to be truly filled by God, we need to empty ourselves. If we're honest, we can say that at times we are often quite full of ourselves. Yeah, the pun intended. We can be full of pride and arrogance. We can can push God away in all areas of our life. But we can also be full of ourselves with all the best of intentions because we naturally plan, don't we? we? We plan for the future. We have dreams. We have inspirations. We can plan our entire lives out. And by doing so, we can often not leave, leave room for God to work in our lives. We, we don't leave room for him to lead or to, for us to follow him. In many ways, we often ask God to bless our plans, our intentions. We even hope for his divine intervention to fulfill our desires. The reality is, if we want to see God working fully in our lives, we need to let go. We need to let go of all the things maybe that we've come up with. We need to surrender our lives to him. I sit here and like I showed before, I've got my glass of water and In a way, often we fill our lives with all our own plans, but in order for God to fill us, we need to be emptied. We need the glass to be emptied. It's only then. It's only then when the glass is fully emptied that God can come and as we surrender ourselves to him, can he then fill us afresh? It's only in a place where we're willing to be fully emptied of ourselves, that God can then fill us and do his work in us. You see, when we look closer at Jesus' invitation to follow him, he calls us to die to ourselves, to give up to give up everything, to be to be emptied to follow him. And the paradox in this is that as we let go of our own life, He gives us a life far greater and far better than we could ever have imagined we could ever have made for ourselves so today I'd like to unpack the journey of Paul a little bit more in previous messages I I mentioned his life quite briefly but today we'd like to look at his example we'd like to look at him closely because he is a, a true example of what it means to be emptied to be filled we're going to look at his a part of his journey and some of the things that he wrote We're going to look at that over three things. Firstly, we see this, that Paul or Saul, who shares both names, one being his Hebrew name, one being his Roman name, he encounters Jesus Christ. He has this encounter with Jesus in the midst of a time when he had it all together, in the midst of a time when he was pursuing his passions. He was zealous, we even read in Scripture. He was living his life. His way to the fullest, I guess you could say. But it's in the midst of this place that he has an encounter with Jesus. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn with me to Acts. From Acts chapter 9, we're going to read from verse 1. We read this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. Asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, he found there, He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Here we have this remarkable story where we see Saul. He's on his way to persecute Christians. The church is growing. It's starting to thrive. The message of Jesus is getting out. And Saul is furious, a a fervent Jew who does not believe that Jesus is a reality. No, this is, in their mind, an untruth. And they're going, he's, he's going to systematically destroy Christians. Little did he know that as he was on his way to carry out this brutal work that he would be emptied of everything and he would then be filled with something far better. Now you might say, Wally, I've never had an encounter like that. I, I've never seen these lights shining from the sky or, or a voice from heaven But the reality is this no matter where you are on your journey with life, whatever brings you to this place, you will have an encounter with Jesus in some way. Be it through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, through someone sharing the good news, you will also have an encounter. At some point, you will come face to face with the good news of Jesus Christ, whether you literally see Him or not. You see, every empty to be filled story starts with an encounter with jesus now we either meet jesus by circumstance or by choice what do i mean by that by circumstance either you meet jesus because you had nowhere else to turn or you meet jesus because you have turned to everything everything but him but you find yourself still unsatisfied you know, there are many people who sadly only consider jesus when they come to their very end that makes me think of the, the Jewish people, the Israelites in the Old Testament. God at times would empty them, bring them to a place to their very end in order that they would turn to him. Now I often wondered why God would allow such pain. Why would he allow the entire nation be taken captive, to be taken to, to Babylon as slaves? Why would God do such a thing? As we read the Old Testament, we see this pattern that that God would do wonderful things in the midst of his people and then they would forget him, they would fill their lives again with all of their own things and they would push him out. And we see for years that God warned the people of Israel and Judah through prophets such as Isaiah and Jeremiah that if they didn't turn from their idolatry, he would discipline them for their disobedience and their unfaithfulness. Unfortunately, the people of Israel would not listen to God. They would not heed his warnings and they were taken captive again and again. Some of the most famous stories in scripture are where they were taken captive by the Babylonians. And even though they were taken captive in this particular case, it would still take 70 years for God's message to finally get through. It would take 70 years for them to come to the end of themselves and to finally turn to him. Did you know it's in the midst of this? It's in the midst of this time that we read Jeremiah's most quoted verse and it's a passage we often read and and that we hear. They're beautiful words but they're far more powerful in the midst of their true context. We go to Jeremiah 29 from verse 10. God says these words, this is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the things I have promised and I will bring you home again. And then God says these words that we've, you may have heard. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. These words, I, I have good plans for you. I have a future plan for you. Well, God shares these words to the Jewish and the Israelite people in a place where they're at the end of themselves. God brings them to this place that they finally would turn to him and the reality is for some of us, maybe for you, you need to come to the very end of yourself before you could even consider coming to Jesus. But I must say this also, that life is short. And I believe God's given us scripture so that we can learn from the mistake of others. I think life's too short not to learn from other people's mistakes. Let's let other people make the mistakes and and take the lessons from them. So as we look at these lessons, my prayer and my hope is that you can come to Jesus as he calls. You won't need to get to the very end, but that you can recognise who he is in the midst of your journey in this place, right here and right now. The reality is that for some, for many of us, it will take to the end, it will, we will have to get to the very end of ourselves before we will turn to him. You know, for some, that might mean filling their lives with everything. It may not be being in an absolutely broken place. It could be that you've tried everything, you've tried every avenue, and yet you still find yourself unfulfilled. And I can remember in part of my own journey, I grew up in church. I grew up hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Yet I lived quite a double life for many years. I'd come and do the Sunday thing. I'd be the good Christian boy on Sundays, but then would go out with friends and find myself, you know, doing things that I never would have imagined, living a life far from what Jesus would have wanted. And I can remember in one particular time sitting at a, Uh, with a group of friends and and quite dazed, half drunk to be true. And I can remember sitting on the couch, looking around myself and just seeing emptiness. I just saw a, a room, I saw in myself this pursuit of happiness that led nowhere. I can remember sitting there feeling completely empty and the truth hit home for me that the life that Jesus offers is real, it's full, it's meaningful, that, that pursuing all other things lead nowhere and to nothing. For some of us, that's what it takes. We'll take the, either the end when we come to a place where where, where everything is taken out of our, our hands, where we've lost complete control. For some of us, it might, mean experiencing everything and then realising that it means nothing. We find that it's when we come to the end of ourselves that we experience Jesus. And today I pray that you might turn and heed these words. You might come to Jesus. We also see this other truth. That's the first reality here. That in Paul he has this encounter with Jesus Christ, but then he shares these words we we read some words in in a letter he writes to the christians in philippi i'm going to turn there now you've got your bibles turn with me come to philippians chapter 3 we're going to read from verse 5 to 9 now what we see this is this is paul reflecting on his life he's looking back on all the things in his life that he once thought were meaningful all of these things before his encounter with jesus And these are the things that he shares. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Look at verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather... I become righteous through faith in Christ. Here, Paul is unpacking this idea that all of these things that he once thought were meaningful, all of these things that he thought were gaining favour even with God as as a religious person, all of these things now after experiencing and having an encounter with Jesus, they're all meaningless. And he uses this word, garbage. Now, if we look at this word closely in its original form if we were actually to hear it in its original language we might even blush a little it is that strong some commentators have even stated that we might even consider getting rid of this word from scripture because it is a little bit edgy this is how strongly he feels about these things utter garbage is what paul is saying You see, after his encounter with Jesus, he has a change of perspective. All of the things that once meant something to him, the things that used to fill him up, he now deems as useless. He knew that he needed to take out the trash. What do I mean by that? I wonder for you today, I would like you to just reflect a little bit with me. I wonder what the things are in your life that you give importance to. What are the things that define you? What are the things that you work hard at? What are the things that you are most proud of? And what are the things that compete with God in your life? The things that compete for time with him? Or maybe energy. Maybe there are things in your life that compete with your with your energy so that you don't have time to serve him. Or maybe there are things that compete for your affection with him. question is, as you reflect on your own life, are there things that you need to take out as trash? Are there things you need to reflect on say, hey, you know what, these things don't matter as much as my relationship with God. In, in reality, these things are just just garbage. You see, taking out the trash, taking out the rubbish in our life is crucial as we empty ourselves to allow God to fill us. Can I say in this time? I think we've been emptied more than ever before. I know personally, uh, it's been a uh, it's been a difficult road at times as. Many of the things we've held dear have just been stripped away and taken away from us. We've, we've lost control in the midst of all of these restrictions and we continue to lose them, depending on your convictions in these, time, in these times. But what this time has done for me is it, it's made me come to my knees more than ever before. It's enabled me to see the things that are far more important. It's enabled me to value the things that need to be valued. It's given me an opportunity to to let go of some things so that I can pursue those things that really matter. And so I've found my prayer life has increased. I found myself turning to God's word more and more than, than ever before. I've relied less on myself and had to, had to rely on God more than ever before. But in the midst of that, I can truly say, that he has met me, he's met our family, met our church in all of our times of need. He has filled those gaps. So I'm not sure what God has emptied in you in this time. My prayer, my encouragement is that you would turn to him and allow him to fill you in the midst of this. You can turn this situation and use it for good in your life. So we see in the life of Paul that He's had this encounter with Jesus. We see that after that encounter, he can uh, he looks back on his life and all of those things that once mattered mean absolutely nothing to him. All that matters is his walk with God. And from that place, we continue to read his story in, in Acts. Come back to Acts chapter 9. We're going to continue reading from verse 10. And remember, we have Paul. We've, he's had this encounter with Jesus Christ and he's blinded. He's blinded for three days. He did not eat or drink even in this time. And from verse 10, we read, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Lord exclaimed, Ananias, I've I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem and he is authorised by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him much Oh sorry, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and he regained his strength. And Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in synagogue, saying, "He is indeed the Son of God." Have a look at this. We we see Paul here, and he encounters Jesus, but he is brought to his end. He is blinded. He can't even walk without someone to lead him. He stops eating. He he can, comes to the complete end of himself he's emptied he's stripped of his pride he's stripped of his his power he's stripped of his sight but then god comes and and restores him we see that he is baptized and what does god do god fills him with his holy spirit gone are the things of his own life and he's now filled with the holy spirit that god pours into him and the man who once persecuted christians For believing in Jesus, now hits the streets. He he goes out with a new passion. He goes with the same zeal that God had put in his heart, his personality, but he goes with a new passion and a new mission to share his encounter of the living God. You see, he's not emptied and just left alone. No, he is filled with the mission of Jesus and he is sent out to fulfill it. People often fear, you might even fear, that a life in Jesus means giving up so much. That it means giving up the things that you hold dear. But the reality is that when you live your life with a new purpose for Jesus Christ, it is far more richer than you could ever have imagined. It might be far more different than you have ever imagined. But it's far greater than anything you could conjure up for yourself. Jesus comes and we into our lives as we empty our empty ourselves as we surrender ourselves to him he fills us for a new purpose you see Jesus has a plan for you far greater than you could ever imagine for yourself he's waiting to send you out to live for him filled by his power filled by his grace so don't hang on to the things that you might think are, are important because reality nothing compared to living a life for Jesus in the midst of all of this one of the greatest examples beyond Paul's is Jesus Christ himself he is our, our greatest example and I was thinking of these words today and the, the words also from Philippians these were words that Paul also wrote Paul's Uh, Words that he actually quoted from uh, the Old Testament in Scripture. Open up to Philippians chapter two, verse five, and Paul shares these words as he encourages this church to to have the same attitude as Christ to love one another. And he 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 writes these words that you must have the same attitude in Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege, took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name Highest above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These words show us that, that Jesus humbled himself. He emptied himself. He gave up his rightful place as God himself. Part of the Trinity. He he gave that up. He came to earth and humbles himself and becomes a human being. He gave up everything. It was in this place that he comes and he, he shares and he he loves the disciples. He shares a good news. His love for people that he's come to restore people back to himself and it would take him to a cross where he dies. Quite literally, he, he dies to himself, but it takes that death for a resurrection to occur. He rises again from the grave and, and offers the opportunity for you and I to be restored back to him. If we would only give ourselves to him, who would give up our lives, we would take up our cross if we would follow him, we would know eternal life made possible because of Jesus Christ. We also read that because of what Jesus did as he humbles himself, as he rises from the grave, he's elevated to the place of highest honour given the name above all other names, we also shall rise to be with him. We also read these words that, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. And here's the truth, here's the reality. We will all come face to face with Jesus somewhere, either here or in the time to come. We will all bow. We will all declare the truth that Jesus is Lord question is will you do that now will you do that with your life will you do that as jesus gives you the opportunity to accept him and to live for him to put your own life aside your own purposes to live passionately for jesus to surrender yourself and to let him fill you so that you might live your life for him jesus emptied himself and entrusted himself into the hands of the Father. By doing so, makes it possible for all of us to know eternal life. That's the power of dying to ourselves and committing ourselves to Jesus. So today, as we celebrate communion, I encourage you to focus on these words. and This idea that our Jesus, uh, our Saviour Jesus Christ humbled himself and calls us to do the same. As we do so, he raises us up, fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we can live our lives for him. A life like we could never imagine, life to the fullest. It may not be easy. We'll have its ups and downs. But Jesus will be with us. His Holy Spirit will guide us and give us the power and joy and peace through all situations. And finally, we'll find ourselves in eternity with him, knowing life forever. That's our hope. I've got some bread here this morning. Not sure if you do. If you haven't prepared, you might like to pause right now and then go get that and come back and keep playing. But if you're ready, you've got this bread, I encourage you to take it this morning. I'm going to say a prayer together and then we'll finish our time. But that's so you can turn to those who you're sharing this with. You can turn to your family and you can share the bread together. You can break it and pray together. You can take the cup and I didn't know we are doing this, so this is the juice I found. So you may just use what you have because these for us are a symbol of Jesus' body broken for us and of his blood that flowed for us so that we might have life. I encourage you, I'm going to pray and then, like I said, to turn to those in your family and to share this time together. Share the bread with one another in the cup and then pray. Pray for each other, thanking God for who he is, committing yourself to him. If you find yourself alone, if you're, if you're home alone, not sharing this with somebody else, know that the Holy Spirit with you is with you. God's presence is with you. So take the time to take this bread and to take this cup, praying and thanking God for all that he has done and for the life that he offers us. A life like we could have never imagined, both now and forever. Let me pray for these elements. Father, we want to thank you for this bread. We want to thank you for this cup. And as we see Jesus in the Gospels doing, we come and we pray for these elements, Father, that they may be for us a reminder of your body broken and the blood that was poured out for us. So, Father, we thank you for this bread. Lord, we thank you that Jesus died for us, that he would empty himself, that he would humble himself and go to the cross. We thank you for his great love. He would do this for us so that we might be restored to you. So, Lord, we just thank you for this bread, mate. Be your broken body for us. We also thank you for the cup. We thank you for whatever liquid may be within it and contained within it, Lord, that for us it represents, Father, your blood poured out for us. And we thank you. We thank you for the love that you had for us, that you hand yourself over freely to be whipped, for your body to be broken, for your blood to pour freely from your back and from your side. We just want to say thank you. And, Lord, all we can do in return is offer ourselves to you. Lord, we humble ourselves and give ourselves to you, Father. In thanks, Lord, in worship, in praise, we offer our lives to you to say thank you. Lord, by your strength, Lord, we commit our lives to you, thanking you that you even fill us to live our lives for you. So even in this moment, Lord, I would pray for each person wherever they may be that your Holy Spirit might come afresh, that you might fill them, Lord, that they'll be very aware of your presence and of your peace. I pray that as they go out, they will go with boldness, Father. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We commit ourselves to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We say, Amen. So I'm going to say goodbye and invite you to continue to share that bread and that cup together. And I look forward to seeing you in the days to come. God bless.